Some people like to climb mountains. I like to build planes in the air. I grew up wanting to be on a wing, wanting to be up this high. Sometimes the temperature up at altitude will reach 60 below. It's brisk, it's refreshing. You never know what you're going to come across up here. Canadian geese, mallards, owls. These people back here, that's why I come to work. That's why I build airplanes in the sky. We're not just building a plane here. We're building a dream. I love this job. I got a lot of thanks up here. When I look over there and I see that little kid, and I look in his eyes, that's all the thanks I need. So how would you like to fly on an airplane while it was being built? Anybody? All right. Sometimes I fly enough that sometimes it feels like it may be falling apart. All right. Especially uh, overseas. But uh, what a challenge that would be. And yet in many ways, when it comes to walking with God and experiencing God, it feels a little bit like that. To use another metaphor, it's like building a bridge and walking on it. Now, God has the whole plan figured out. God knows what he is doing. Nothing surprises God. But sometimes in the journey with God, it feels like, man, this thing is just being put together as I'm going along. And you can't let that bother you. You can't let that upset you. That's how God gets you to lean into him and to trust him and to, and to believe that he's in control. God doesn't give us the full picture and one of the reasons why is because he wants us to trust in him. He wants us to keep looking to him. So right now in your life, it may feel kind of fragmented. You may feel like there are parts and pieces, but you wish you could see the whole picture. And you can't see a whole picture and it upsets you. Don't let it upset you. That's, that's how God works. He didn't tell Abraham everything. He didn't tell Moses everything. He didn't tell the disciples everything at once. If he did, they, none of them probably would have gone, right? He doesn't tell you and me everything because he wants us to learn to depend on him and not commit idolatry with what he's calling us to do, but keep our focus on him. And so we continue this journey of direction and of what it means to truly experience God. And as we do that, I want to put up our map, our pathway that we've been talking about and you're probably tired of drawing this, but I want to encourage you to keep doing it until it becomes part of your own DNA. So at our 95th campus here at Hopson, let's uh, get our, our, our uh, pens, pencils, or your electronic media that you might be using. And uh, let's go ahead and kind of draw this out, or, or should I say write it out, okay? It all starts with God, okay, because he is the creator. He is the one who is in charge of all things, and we've been learning that God is always at work in the macro sense. That is, God is the architect of the universe. God is in control. Now, God doesn't create all the chaos and mess in the universe. That's a result of man's sin, but even with that, God's able to channel it and use it still to bring about his glory and honor. But God's also at work in the micro sense. That means God is at work with you and me as well. That looks like an alien. All right, sorry about that. So we'll make her a girl. That looks better, all right? And uh, he is pursuing us in a love relationship, each one of us. We say, for God so loved the what? The 
the world, that he gave his only begotten son. Well, you're part of the world. And another way you could read that verse is to read it, for God so loved you. Put your name in there. For God so loved Dale or whatever your name is, that he gave his only begotten son. He loves you personally. Not only does he love you personally, but he invites you into this great work of of his that he's doing in the world. He invites you into uh, a part of the work that he wants to carry out through you. Then he invites us into a community called the church and the work he wants to carry out through us as a body of believers. It also says that God speaks to us because he has to communicate to us what it is he wants us to do in our lives, in our community. And then oftentimes that leads to a crisis because it means I've got I've to trust him. I, I need to put my faith in him. And that's when it feels like the, the plane is being built while you're riding on it, okay? And then as I realize God's calling me to something new, something different, something I've not done before, he's shaking me up, he's, he's changing things around, it wasn't what I was planning, okay? Then we have to be willing to adjust our lives to God. And when we make that adjustment by trust and obedience, we experience God in a powerful way. And as I shared with you a couple weekends ago, this has just been a reality for both Marcia and I as we anticipate our own transition uh, to serving God up in Minnesota. And you all have been so gracious and prayerful and encouraging to us. I want to thank you ahead of time. It's been a blessing to us. And I just want to add that we need that. We need that from you because yesterday I faced a little bit of a crisis. I was given uh, responsibility to watch my two little grandsons yesterday all day. And so uh, we got up and had pancakes and we went to Monkey Joe's. Anybody ever been to Monkey Joe's? All right. It's a dangerous place. Anyway, we went to Monkey Joe's and we went to McDonald's Treehouse and we went for a walk to the park. And then I finally got them both ready for their naps, and they did so well. And then they both decided to go number two at the same time. I'll save you the rest of the information on that one, all right? I'm not equipped to handle that, so I held my breath as long as I could and dealt with the, dealt with the crisis, all right? But when it was all said and done, when it was all said and done, uh, I walked away from yesterday, and I thought, man, I am going to miss these little guys uh, being around them all week long. And it was just like, God, are you sure? I, you know, I, I, they need me, right? I mean, they've, they've got great parents, but they really need me, all right? I, I mean, like, who else will take them to McDonald's? And as I dealt with that, both on an emotional and mental state, I just realized, you know, that's part of that whole adjustment thing. That's part of that whole issue of saying, you know what, God, it's not about me. It's about you and what's going to honor and glorify you. And I need to trust you and obey you because I want to experience you. Do you want to experience God? Then I tell you what, the Compass Church right now is in this whole area here, and you're about to experience God in ways that you haven't for a long time because God's allowed this little crisis to come along. And then for you personally, what's going on in your life right now where God's calling you to experience him? In your life, at work, in a relationship, in something you're doing, God's saying, I want you to trust me and experience me. Well, so far we've talked about the fact that God calls us into a loving relationship. We've talked about the fact that God invites us. Now, this weekend, I want to talk about how God speaks to us, how God speaks to us. And as we do that, I want to take you to a passage of Scripture found in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, 
where it says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. In the Old Testament, when God spoke, he oftentimes spoke through angels, dreams, and visions, signs, and wonders out of clouds in various and mysterious ways to make known his character and to make known his, his purposes for his people to follow and to be obedient to. You know, sometimes we talk about how God speaks to us. We get a little too focused on the methodology that God uses. And the issue is not how God speaks to us. But if you go back to the Old Testament, the one thing that became clear, becomes clear, is that when God speaks to you and when God spoke to them, they knew it. Okay, they knew it was God speaking, and they were clear as to what God was calling them to do. When God spoke to Noah, Noah knew it, and Noah knew he was supposed to build an ark. When God spoke to Abraham and said, leave Ur of Chaldees and go to a strange place, I'm going to make a nation out of you, Abraham knew it was God speaking, and he knew what God wanted him to do. When God told Moses, go back to Egypt and leave my people free, Moses knew it was God speaking to him. And he knew what his mission was. They didn't have all the details, okay? The whole plane wasn't put together, but they knew what they were supposed to do. And God works the same way in our lives. When God speaks to you, you know it. And you know what you're supposed to do. Now that takes us to verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 1. And in verse 2 it says, And how in these final days he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And through the Son, He created the universe. So when you come into the New Testament, especially to the Gospels, God speaks now through His Son, Jesus Christ. God literally comes in the flesh and speaks mouth to ear to the people who heard Him. Can you uh, imagine what that must have been like? Wouldn't you like to have been around in those days and just seen God in the flesh and heard him speak into your own ears, heard that divine voice of his. Wouldn't that be an awesome, awesome experience to have? To have God speaking to you like that, to be Peter, James, or John, or uh, to be Mary or Martha, or to be someone in the crowd who heard him speaking there uh, along the shores of the Sea of Galilee. You know, it goes on in John chapter 1, verse 1. And God inspired John to write these words. He said, in the beginning, the word already existed. Now, the word, word, logos, means, means Christ. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14 says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. You say, well, how about now? How about today? Does God speak anymore like that today? You know, there's some people who say, no, God really doesn't speak anymore today. And I don't know where they're coming from. I, I totally disagree with them. God is still speaking today. In fact, God is speaking just as powerfully and, in fact, more intimately than he did when his son was here and his son spoke to listening ears. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean that since the book of Acts to this very day, God is speaking to the person and the presence of his spirit. And as a believer, where does the spirit of God reside? 
Behind some planet someplace? No. Where does the Spirit of God reside? He resides in us. Isn't that wild? Imagine that. The very Spirit of God indwells you and indwells me if we truly are believers, if we truly are followers of God. He actually indwells us and from within wants to speak to us. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. It says there, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? Don't you realize that? You know, some days I just get so busy and so rushed in life, I forget about that. I forget about the fact that God indwells me. I get this mindset that I'm kind of on my own and God is out there someplace. I need to slow down, take a deep breath and contemplate the fact that God, through his spirit, indwells me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Paul wrote, don't, re- don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God, you do not belong to yourself. Remember the Holy Holies was the Ark of the Covenant? And the Ark of the Covenant represented the very holy and divine presence of God. And only the high priest could go in there once a year. And if he went in there and hadn't dealt with his sins, he would die. Nobody else was allowed to go in there. Now think about this. The Holy of Holies has come to indwell you. You have become the tabernacle where the Holy of Holies indwells. You see, once again, a lot of us just, we either don't know that or we take advantage of that and we just go, yeah, okay, what else? If we were just to stop for a while and, and just meditate, just think about that and prepare ourselves and realize who it is that dwells in us and allow him to have control, I believe we would hear God more. We would truly be aware of God in our lives. In John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. I, I don't know about you, but that's pretty exciting stuff, don't you think? I think it's, I think it's so exciting. And I'm just amazed at how, how easily we get... Uh, sidetracked and our attention gets taken away by things that really are, are, are so worthless compared to what we've just been talking about. Oftentimes people say, you know, I want to know, I want to I study the deeper things of God. Folks, you don't get much deeper than that. I mean, how do you get deeper than that? All I know is you just got to submerge yourself in that. You, gotta, you just got to kind of lay back in that and just Take it in to your life. You know, I've had the privilege of being uh, in Israel many different times, and, and I've, I've gone down to the Dead Sea. And you know, one of the unique things about the Dead Sea is, is you go out there, you literally have to want to drown yourself, okay? Because of the amount of minerals and salt in there, you literally just get out far enough, and you just bob around. You just float around. You, no effort. You just, you just float, right? And, and in many ways... That's what we need to do in terms of 
living in the presence of the Spirit, we need to get out deep enough and let go and just let Him support us. Let Him carry us. Let Him engulf us. Let Him take care of us. Is that how you're living today? It's how I want to live. I'll be honest with you and tell you, a lot of times I struggle to do it on my own instead of just trusting Him, instead of just resting in Him. Let's, let's do this little exercise together, okay? Everybody, with, let's take a deep breath, ready? And then just let it out real slow, ready? It was that relaxing? Some of you just fell asleep. Wake the person up next to you, all right? At 95th, wake them up, okay? All right, so you know, you, take, you know how sometimes you just take that deep breath and you, and you just feel, that's what, we, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to exhale all our worries and concerns and just rest in Him. Just rest in His Word. Just rest in His Spirit and trust Him that He's in control, that He knows what He's doing. So here's the question. If the Spirit of God indwells me, how, how do I hear the Spirit speaking to me? How do I hear the Spirit of God speaking to me? Now, God is not limited. God can speak to us through others. God can speak to us through circumstances. But I want to suggest to you that the two primary ways that the Spirit of God will speak to you and me are through His Word and prayer, and the two cannot be separated. And in fact, if you believe God's speaking to you through others or through circumstances, you must take however else you might think God is speaking to you, and bring it back to the Word of God. And if it contradicts what God has said in His Word, you're not hearing God speaking to you. Okay? You're hearing your conscience speaking to you, and your conscience is not the same as the Holy Spirit. Or you're hearing voices, or you're hearing what you want to create in your own mind. God is never, ever, ever going to say anything that is contrary to His Word. So you got to be steeped in the Word of God. So I want to challenge you to three disciplines. And uh, you might want to jot these down. I think they're going to be up here on the screen for you, all right? First discipline. I want to challenge you to the discipline of reading God's Word as His personal Word to you. So we'll leave it up there long enough for you to write that down. I want to challenge you. To read God's word as his personal word to you. See, too often we read the Bible as though it were a history book. We read the Bible as though it were a theology book. And we read it very objectively in that sense. As though we're gaining knowledge from it. Listen, the Bible is also God's word to you personally. That is the mystery and the dunamis and the power of God's Word. I believe that when I read God's Word, my attitude needs to be, God, what do you want to say to me through your Word? Just as you spoke to David and spoke to the disciples and spoke to others, what do you want to say to me today? Second discipline. Practice prayer as your means of communicating with God. Practice prayer as your means of communicating with God. You say, well, that's kind of obvious. Yes and no. 
A lot of us really honestly don't have a clue how to pray. Our prayers are more a complaint session or more of an I wish session with God. They're not a communication with God. Communication is both speaking and what? Listening. And a lot of us just... You know, we've never really been taught to pray. We just, to us, prayer is just throwing words up in the air. Well, my goodness, people in the, in the, in the Far East do that. Throw their prayers up and, and hope the wind catches them and somehow, you know, the gods will, will get a hold of them. We're praying to a real God, a personal God. And we need to communicate with him in speaking to him and listening to him. Thirdly, practice, practice faith as your anticipation that God is going to hear you and speak to you and guide you. So practice reading the Word of God as His Word to you. Practice prayer as communication with God, you to God, God to you. And practice faith as anticipation that God's going to do something as a result of hearing from Him and speaking to Him. And it's all, it's all an attitude shift, isn't it? It's all a, a, mind, uh, a mindset and an attitude shift. Is that how you look at God's word? Is that how you practice prayer? Does that describe your faith relationship with God? See, I believe God wants to speak to you and to me, but we've got to be in a place where God can speak to us. And, and my, my fear is that many of us are asleep, so to speak, at the wheel. <laughs> we're not in the Word of God. We're not reading the Word of God in the right way. Our prayers are dull, and, 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 and we're not connecting with God. Our faith is weak, and we're just kind of making it through life on our own strength, and that's kind of a pathetic way to live. It is not the way that God intended for you and for me to live this life. Now, uh, just a couple weeks ago, Pastor Rick and I were in Germany. And we were visiting some potential church, par- church uh, planning partners for our, our vision, you know, to plant churches that are going to change the world. And we're particularly focusing on Germany because it's a rising power in Europe and uh, certain cities there are very influential. And, and one of the cities that we went to is right outside of Berlin. It's called uh, Potsdam. And Potsdam has a population, former East Germany, of about 200,000 people. And, and from what we were able to gather from talking to our partner there, maybe there are four or five evangelical churches. Less than 0.1% Christians. A lot of those people have no faith whatsoever. Our church planning partner that we're looking at partnering with, Stefan, Stefan shared with us that he went and spoke to a school recently that had 200 students, elementary school, 200 students. And not one student could tell him why Christmas is celebrated. And yet God's doing a pretty profound work in Stefan's life over there. We're excited about it. He's created a, a coffee shop with some partners there. It's an entrance into their, into their church. It's how they're getting to know people in the neighborhood. And they rent out a karaoke bar on Sunday afternoons to have church. Isn't that cool? I think it's pretty cool. And that's where they do worship. And that, that church, in a short amount of time, has grown to about 60 people. It's, it's really actually very exciting. 
But being there is kind of interesting for me because my last name, Hummel, is, is actually, even though I'm Dutch, it's of German or, uh, origin. My ancient relatives, you know, uh, crawled over the fence from Germany into the, into the Netherlands, all right? So whenever they, they hear my name or see my name in a passport, they, they always say, ah, Mr. Hummel, and blah, 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 they go with German because I was dressed very European, had the black coat on, the black pants, and was just looking very European, right? And so they just assume that I'm German. I just sit there and smile, and then I just go, nicht sprechen Sie Deutsch, all right? I don't know. I don't speak it. I wish I spoke it. Because then I could communicate freely with them instead of having to use a translator. When I go to, when I go to the uh, Southeast Asia, I wish I could speak Vietnamese. I wish I could speak Burmese. I wish I could speak Hindi. I wish I could speak their language. I appreciate the interpreters. They do a great job. They translate well. But I wish I could speak their language so that, so that I could emotionally connect with them and so that they could emotionally connect with me because something happens when you are both saying the same thing and can understand each other, right? Right? Same thing is true with God. God has a language that he uses to speak to us. And God expects us to take that language and use it to speak back to him so he can understand us. Well, what is that language? It's the scriptures. The word of God. That is God's language to us. And it is the language that God wants us to use to speak back to him. So I need to learn God's language. And so I need to learn to pray God's language. I had a lot of fun with that recently. I was speaking to a mixed group. On the one side were Pentecostals. On the other side were Baptists. If you know anything about Pentecostals and Baptists, they're a little different in some views of theology. And I stood up and I said, I want to teach you a prayer language. The Pentecostals got excited. The Baptists about fell off their chairs. I said, don't worry about it. The prayer language I'm talking about is the word of God. God wants us to pray to him with with prayers that are informed by the scriptures, by the truth of God. He wants us to pour our hearts out, but he wants us to pour our hearts out in accordance with his word. And so one of the uh, theologians who's in, uh, been impacting my life of late, though I had studied him years and years ago, is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was martyred by, by Hitler uh, right at the end of World War II. And I had a chance, uh, along with Pastor Rick, to visit the home of Bonhoeffer there in Berlin a couple weeks ago. And it, it really touched my heart because I had just finished reading the uh, enormous biography on his life by uh, Eric Metaxas. As I walked to those rooms and I thought about Bonhoeffer, one of the things I appreciated about him is that Bonhoeffer saw the word of God as God's, God's, God's speaking to us personally. Bonhoeffer taught that the Psalms, the Psalms are the prayer book of the Bible. That the Psalms teach us how to pray. That the Psalms are the words that God gives us to pray to him and to hear from him as well. In fact, Bonhoeffer goes on and says, if you study the Lord's Prayer carefully, you will see that the Psalms are all integrated into the majesty of the Lord's Prayer. And so he, every day, would read several Psalms in a meditative way as to hear from God and then to know how to pray back to God regardless of whatever he was concerned about. And so I took up that practice a while back. And I've been trying to read 
a psalm a day and use it as my time to hear God speaking to me and then reflecting back all the burdens, all the concerns I have, my family, the church, you, you know, what's going on in the world. I try to let God lead me to know how to pray about those things. So instead of me just setting my agenda of how I'm going to pray to God, what I'm learning to do is say, is to understand that God sets the agenda of how to specifically pray for someone or various things or my own life. It's all been laid out in his word. And when I take his word consistently and I'm in it, wow, awesome things begin to happen. And I want to share with you an example of how this happened uh, a couple months ago, um, though God has certainly spoken at other times in my life as well. A couple of months ago, uh, I was on one of our journeys to Nepal to visit our church partners there. And by the way, Nepal seems to be where God is just moving in a powerful way with uh, uh, about a dozen of our church planners that we're supporting. <clears throat> and uh, it was a long flight from here to there. Uh, it took 20, I don't know, however many hours. Flew into Kathmandu. Kathmandu Airport's a messy, dirty place, noise everywhere, cat running around eating filth and garbage, little kid rubbing my head. You remember that picture? I put it on my blog. That part was okay. Uh, and then I got on a plane and then, and then flew to another uh, uh, city where I was going to begin to teach Pokhara. And after landing there, and usually after 24 hours, I, I, I normally don't believe anything that I think or, or, or say to myself 24 hours after going that far, Okay. Because your mind's just not in the right place. So I finally get to lay down. And I'm a very light sleeper. Anybody else a light sleeper? Wow, not very many of you. All right. How many of you sleep soundly? Let me see. How many of you sleep soundly in worship services? Okay, all right. Anyway, all right. So uh, I, I lay down. And as I lay down, all right, there is this cacophony of noise outside. And I don't appreciate the kind of music, the, the, the style of music they have over there, okay? I just, I just don't like it. And it's loud, and there's noise, and there's singing, and it's still kind of daylight out. And I'm just laying there, and I'm getting frustrated because I'm tired, and I can't sleep. And I'm feeling overwhelmed, and I start talking to God. And I, say, and I start saying to God, God, you know, I just flew by the Himalayan mountains, and the Himalayan mountains remind me of just how impossible a place this is to reach people for Christ. There are so many gods they worship. They don't know you. They're so lost. The percentage who are believers are so few. God, what am I doing here, Lord? Why is it there are so many people lost? And are all these people honestly really going to go to hell? And what value is there of me being here? And God, do you really have control of the world? And wow, I really laid it out. I fell asleep. And the next morning I got up, and I was so tempted just to, you know, charge off and do my teaching. But I stopped, and I said, the psalm, it's, you, you got to, you know, you're doing this discipline. Spend your time with God. So I quieted myself, and I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to go to your word, and I'm going to believe you're going to speak to me today, and you're going to give me the words to speak back to you. And the psalm I happened to read that day was Psalm 24, and I got the chills when I read it. Now, it may not have the same impact for you that it did for me, but put it in the context of what I had just poured out to God. Here's what it says in Psalm 24. It says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, including the Himalaya mountains. The world and all its people belong to him. Wow. 
I was worried about all those people that night. And God was saying to me, hey, Dale, I'm speaking to you right now. The world and everything in it belongs to me, and those people belong to me too. For he laid the earth's foundations on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. And there were the Himalayas right outside my window. Then, listen to this. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? And all those mountains that men have tried to climb and women have tried to climb, some succeeded, some have died on. Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. Now, you had to be there in the context to appreciate what God was saying, but God, man, God could not have, if God had just stood there and spoken to me, it couldn't have been any clearer. It was really speaking to my heart. Then it goes on, it says, Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the king of glory enter in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, invincible in battle. Not all those Hindu gods. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. He is the king of glory. And suddenly I got this picture in my mind as I read that. Of all those people being like, being like a, um, a walled city with a gate, and the gate is their heart. And what needs to happen is they need to open their hearts up to Christ, and he'll come marching in and change their lives. And I walked away from that morning after I prayed this all back to God. I walked away from that morning realizing God's in control of the world. I don't have to be What I have to do is go and teach and train these pastors how to connect with the people and let them know about the King of Glory who wants to enter into their hearts and lives and change and transform them. And the good news is that right now there's a bit of revival starting to take place in Nepal. His hearts and lives are opening up to God. Now, I just share that with you to say, Do you see how God's word speaks? When we have the right attitude toward it, when we believe he's got something to say to us, and it gave me an opportunity to speak back to God. I'm telling you right now, God wants to speak to you, and God wants to speak to me through his spirit, through his word, through prayer, through the faithful anticipation that God is going to act. That's exciting, isn't it? Amen. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, O God, that you still talk. You still speak. Give us ears to hear, minds to understand. Help us to receive from you. And then, God, inform us how to speak back to you. We love you. We thank you for your spirit. And we want to be fully and completely dependent upon him, especially in these days, oh God. Father, there are some here right now who are going through a difficult time financially, emotionally, relationally, physically. They need to hear from you. I pray that you help them to get in the right place 
to where they can't hear from you. To get their sins confessed and out of the way. To begin to read your word, a psalm a day perhaps. Begin to anticipate that you will speak. Hear, speak back, and act in faith. God, we want to follow you. We want to go with you. Give us your direction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and let's worship.